Welcome to Wear Who You Are, a podcast that takes the fear out of fashion and holds space for everyone to explore how to connect your authenticity with your personal style. I'm your host, Natalie Tincher, founder of BU Style, expert style strategist, and your enthusiastic friend and safe space of support. I believe that every person has a style and every style deserves a seat. With over a decade of experience working with hundreds of personal clients, I've learned a thing or two about how to help others have a healthy and holistic approach to navigating how to build a wardrobe that reflects who you are. So pull up your seat and let's get started. Welcome to a special bonus episode of Where Who You Are. It has been a minute and I hope you guys are having an amazing summer. I've been taking some time to enjoy the West Coast, popping back to the East Coast. Haven't been as slow as I hoped, but we're working on it and I'm hoping to take the last couple weeks of summer to relax, create all those good things before we ramp up my favorite fashion season, which is fall. So we actually have a really fun bonus episode for you today to drop, and it was an interview that I did as part of a Women's Leadership Network for Signify Health. So in this interview, you'll hear me being interviewed by Kelly McCready, who is the Associate Program Manager of Signify Health, and we did a virtual and in-person fireside chat in which I share about my business. Um, I'm actually on the other side of the interview this time sharing about you know, how I got started, dress codes in the workplace, um, tattoos in the workplace, how to start discovering your style brand, and many, many more things. So I hope you enjoy. And we will be ramping up in September with our usual programming every two weeks. So enjoy the rest of the summer. And thank you so much. Hello, I'm Kelly McCready. I'm the chair of WLN. Um, I've been chair since about late last year and um, really loving the role. We have Natalie with us here today from BU Style. This is WLN's event, BU Style, the professional and the personal. So we're going to have a little bit of, we're going to have people joining actually from Natalie's organization. So if people can admit them, that would be excellent. Um, We're also going to have a brief Q&A at the end. So if you have questions, just pop them into the chat. And then we'll have someone from WLN kind of uh, funnel them to us at the end of the conversation. So, Natalie. Yes. Tell us where you come from. Um, I'm originally from a very small town in Indiana called Logan Sport, um, home of me, Greg Kinnear. Um, That's, you know, the home of the berries. So I grew up in Logan Sport, Indiana, and then I went to school in Utah. And I've been in New York for about 14 years. Actually, a week ago was my 14 years in New York. Congratulations. Thank you. Are you very happy together? I'm very happy. It's a beautiful relationship, like most people, ups and downs. Sometimes we almost break up, and then we really make amends, and we stay here, and we fight through it, and then we come out stronger. I feel that deep in my bones. Yes, I've been right? here for about 10 years, yeah. <laughs> You've hit that point too. Yeah, yeah. and then and I was like, I think this is this is forever. It, this you is... know what? COVID actually made me love New York more. I was in San Diego for two months of it. And three weeks in, I started crying 
we're missing New York so much. And I was like, nope, this is, it's my place. It's where I wow. want to be. It's the people I want to suffer with. It's the people I want to celebrate with. It's, it's my place. And as part of that, being a small business owner here in the city, like how has that helped you find your space here in New York? Yeah, I, I would say that's a big part of it is being a small business owner and doing, um, starting a business when this business didn't really exist, helping normal quote unquote people find their authenticity and style it wasn't an industry that was well known since then. There's a lot more that have come into the industry, but it was a place where I could throw my dreams, the spaghetti on a wall and hope it's st stuck and really pivot within the population as well and be embraced by it. Um, wow. Instead of what do you want to be, you know, a, a doctor, a lawyer, no shame on those, but I, that wasn't what I wanted to do. I was an editor before and I was like, this isn't quite right. This isn't quite me. Oh, that's interesting. What kind of editor were you? I did copy editing and writing for donor relations and university publications. Wow. But this was always something that you were interested in or that you were applying to your own life? It, I was applying it to my own life. I didn't know it's something I could be interested in. So I was always interested in fashion from an outside point of view, looking in, got, getting my Vogue, my Marie Claire, speaking of Barbie movie, I'd like style my Barbies for three hours behind closed doors and make them go to prom and do all these things. But I didn't feel like the fashion industry itself was where I needed to be. I wanted to help people really deeply as well. So I came up with this idea. So when I moved to New York, I'll, I'll back up. I again, loved fashion, but I didn't know how it related to me and my background. I'm like, but I'm still a Midwest girl, but I'm still a New Yorker. How do I piece this together and weave a fabric that feels true to me and that can evolve with me? So I searched personal stylists for normal people. There was like two other companies. <laughs> and then I found out I could get trained at the Fashion Institute of Technology and some of the principles just mm. of you know, cut color and just kind of learn the rules. So most likely I could break a lot of them, but at least know the principles. And then I started getting clients. I made a website and in the evenings I would work with clients and weekends while I was still working full-time as an editor. And it just picked up and I found I was getting repeat clients and people were really responding to the message. And I was evolving as a human too and finding my place in New York. Um, so it really just grew from there and I quit my full-time job and it's like, I'm just going to do it. What was that leap like? Um, scary because you know that that set salary is not going to be there and yeah. you have to trust that the clients are going to keep coming. And, you know, I did it thoughtfully too. I didn't take any salary from my styling earnings when I started. So at least I had a little bit, a little bit of a nest egg. And then, you know, going personal, I ended a relationship in the first year. I made like $20,000 in New York and I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Got a part-time job, kept doing it, kept doing it because the client responses were so beautiful. And my my tug just kept saying, keep doing this, keep doing this, keep doing this. That's amazing. So, I would love to back up a little bit. And just if you can give us a broad overview of what your business does. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I um, offer personal style consulting and strategy services for individuals and groups. So a typical individual um, could look like going through their closet um, understanding what their style brand is, what they feel great in, and creating a strategy to help create alignment with who they are on the inside with the outside. So it may start with looking through their closet. It may start then go to what's your strategic shopping list that you need of pieces that will 
really piece things together and help you have a closet full of heroes, I call it. Like, what's your closet full of heroes that you feel like you're excited to put on, that they communicate your intent and who you are? Um, So there'll be a strategy around your shopping list, where you could source it from, and then we'll put pieces together. We'll style things in different ways. We'll think about your life. Like, what does it look like on a Saturday? Like, how do you want to feel? What would that look like to you? And how do we communicate that through your wardrobe messaging? Um, I also have a proprietary assessment that has six style personalities and we're all a combination of them. So it's not, you're not just one, you are a spread of maybe a little bit of polish with a lot of magnetic, with a little bit of creative and those style personalities um, directly correspond to clothing characteristics or brands. So there's a lot of information out there now, so it helps kind of clear the clutter and help you pick some lanes to start discovering who you are and how your style can be communicated. That's amazing. So how did your personal style sort of evolve over time? I would say I was super relaxed to start and I was um, very safe. Hmm. I always wanted to do things by the book because I didn't, I was afraid to stand out. So I probably went from a little more classic to what I call magnetic, where as my visibility increased, as my confidence increased, as my understanding of who I am, as, you know, the broader perspective of therapy and education and all of those components came together, living in New York (laughs) and hustling all of that. I went to being more bold, magnetic, creative, but then I also realized I'm still relaxed at my core too. Like I like to be comfortable. I'm a Midwest jeans girl. So that's just who I am. So for a while, I almost tried to turn away from that, I think. And, and then I learned how to piece together my roots, where I come from with who I am and where I'm going. And you help clients on that journey as well. Yeah. I mean, we've gone through some clients I've had for 13 years now, and we've gone through so many different iterations based on you know, their roles, their life, their relationship, their body, their, you know, lifestyle. And so it's been really beautiful to see some clients where we started and we have lookbooks. I'll photograph all of their, their styled pieces and we'll look at an old lookbook from maybe 10 years ago and then look at it now and just like, oh my God, this is so beautiful. It's such a beautiful journey. Uh, I mean, I'm looking at myself and my own style evolution over the last 10 years. There's certainly, it's all correlate, it, it all correlates to my own sense of self. Yes. And it sounds like it's a quite an intimate relationship you have with some of your clients, sort of like a lot of it is getting them to understand their sense of self. It's really, you know, I would say, um, particularly as women, we grow up being told how you're supposed to look, whether it's by magazines, whether it's by your mother, you know, your mother, the thousand percent or friends, things that friends teased you about. Um, I know for me, I was teased about being like really tall, gangly and really, really pale. And then I moved to New York. And I think the beautiful thing about New York is you look around and there's beauty everywhere and there's not a homogeny here. Everybody looks so different. And so that was a place that really helped me understand like beautiful. And as I look at clients, I literally think all of my clients are so beautiful and I will hear a hang up that they have where they look in the mirror and they'll be so hyper focused on something that I don't even see or that I see as beautiful. Mm. So that's really a lot of the journey of understanding, like, how do we just shut everything out around you and start changing your relationship with what you see in the mirror and how you see yourself? Mm. 
So it's not just clothes. It's all of it. It's style. It's style. Yeah. It's- I mean, I tell people don't work with me if you're not ready to have like a real journey because it, it for me, isn't about the clothing. It is an evolution and we have to try things. We literally have to try things on and really start to shift our perspective on ourselves. So the assessment that you mentioned, can you talk a little bit more about how you go through that with a client? Yeah, so it's it, that's online. Um, actually, anybody can take it. And it first goes through who you are now, what adjectives are used to describe you, what are your clothing habits if you're getting ready in the morning, or um, if you're invited to a theme party, how do you feel about it? Um, and so all of those things relate to the style personalities. And then there's a section on your goals. How do you, I want to be more of this. I want to be more of that because we aren't fluid or we are fluid. We're not stagnant. And so then we look at what's your spread of your style personalities of the six. Is it in alignment with your intent and who you are and where you want to go? And how can we continue this evolution for you? Or maybe it's the same, maybe who you are and your goals are similar and it's like, okay, cool, rock and roll. Like, how do we really refine this for you? And what sorts of questions do you hear from clients a lot in terms of, I'm I'm thinking for women specifically, like I'm going into the office for an interview. How do I negotiate sort of like um, being a magnetic creative type when I want to maybe exhibit more of a polish for this kind of setting? Yep. Yeah. So I always say, first you discover who you are. You decide how you want to show up. Then you discover the setting you're going into and decide how you want to show up for that. So sometimes it's in great alignment. Um, Sometimes we need to adjust. And I always say respect the setting you're going to. So we're in this interesting world of, yes, we have our style brand, but we also do need to align and respect where we're going. Like I always say, like the theater, use it as an example. You know, my dad taught me growing up, we respect this theater. Like we respect all the work that the actors and actresses have done to put on this performance for you. So take a little extra time and maybe don't wear your sweatpants, even if you are a highly relaxed person. So I think in that sense, it's what characteristics of magnetic, let's say, can you exhibit? Maybe it's a bright color. Maybe it's a bright scarf. Maybe it's a strong silhouette. What side of polish do we bring in? Maybe it's a beautiful texture. Maybe it's a really harmonious look, you know, that really tonal look. So we'll talk through it. Um, talk about who you're going to be presenting to really transparently with especially females. Are you walking into a room of men? How are you going to feel around that? Do you need to feel powerful? I, I had many a meeting in a corporate office where I said, I got to put on my most magnetic look because I need to walk in just knowing that I'm exuding a really powerful statement when I walk in. That that makes me think of there's a there's a word manifestation mm-hmm. kind of like manifesting mm-hmm. something like if you want to I, I love the idea of like focusing on like how do I want to feel. Mm-hmm. Um, so how walk us through sort of like the process for someone who's not necessarily in your program but like a woman going going into the office for the the first time in. I don't know, six months because of a hybrid situation. Yeah, that's uh, it's interesting because a lot of people are doing that. And when we used to be getting dressed every day for work and not thinking about it, the there's more weight to it than ever because you're going in once and people don't have as many chances to see you and get to know you. So that impression really mm-hmm. is a stronger impression. So I always like to go back to what what outfits do you feel the most comfortable in? Or what components of an outfit do you feel the most comfortable in? Is it like for me, we talked about this blue is like my blue. So if I'm doing something where 
I want to just feel like me, I will pick a color that I feel like I know I'll feel good in. Um, I think we should be building a relationship with our clothing. Mm -hmm. So when we put stuff on for the first time and you're wearing something brand new, oftentimes you may feel a little fussy in it um, until you really understand how it works for you. Or maybe it's one new piece, but you know everything else you love. So I always say, like, don't buy all new things head to toe. Um, because it's not necessarily, you actually don't know how great you feel in it and try things on for size. So walking through someone in that scenario to sort of back up, I would say, what are your hero pieces? How do you want to feel? Think about your day. Are you going to be on your feet a lot? What's the weather like? Are you going to be sitting? What pieces do you feel the most comfortable with and actually will functionally get you through that day? Um, you know, like heels, heels in the office is tricky now. People don't wear heels as much. I got rid of most of mine because I was going to be uncomfortable. If that discomfort is going to get in the way of you being present with people, then don't wear it and move on to something else. Mm -hmm. So I think it's, you know, your comfort and what you feel empowered in. And then again, what's the office dress code right now? Like, what are people wearing? I think that's a huge conversation is what is business casual or smart casual in your office? because it's going to be different from a creative agency versus a law firm. Like it's probably going to be different and everyone's calling it casual. Right. Everyone's calling it casual. And so it's even asking questions like what are the parameters? Because no dress codes a lot of times is harder than having some sort of at least guidelines or parameters. Those questions that you were sort of um, offering is like the, you know, what are my hero pieces? Mm -hmm. How do I, what are, what does my day look like? How do you see those feel like very 2023 questions in a great way? Mm -hmm. Um, how do you see those questions maybe 20 years ago that people were asking as like, as they were getting dressed for work? I would say it was much more based on the dress code of your office environment. Um, you know, I have so many clients who came from finance 20 years ago and it was, it was almost easier for them to dress mm -hmm because there was a set of dress code standards and they but, knew they But needed. also ramifications if they didn't follow them. Correct. And yeah. ramifications. I mean, some of the dress codes that I've seen from companies that have not been updated <laughs> for oh, no. a while, you know, it's just that, that old, like, must wear hosiery, must wear this, must wear that, must have. I had a client who just told about how she had to have um, 75% of her foot covered in the office. It, they, I mean, it was so specific. And so there were ramifications oh, of no. that. <laughs> um, so those questions more were what's quality, what's investment, what's following the dress code and was much more homogenous. There were fewer brands. There yeah. were fewer, there was fewer room to experiment. So it, it was, um, I will say the quality of clothing was generally better. So you could really know when you were making a good investment mm -hmm. then um, versus now. But the questions are less about, they were more about fitting into these standards versus now it's all about how do I communicate my intent, who I am, what does that look like? Yeah. So it's it's almost a, in many ways a 180. Well, one of the things you and I talked about when we first chatted, which I loved, was just like clothes being a reflection of what you value. Mm -hmm. So like sustainability or like your personality, like what are you really trying to communicate or live by? Yeah. So what other things, maybe talk about the sustainability piece a little bit. Yeah, I think um, there's so, so many studies that are saying millennials and uh, Gen Z in particular are more likely to spend more to buy a brand that they feel um, like aligns with, with their yeah. ethos and their ethics. There is a 
you know, it, we're sort of seeing two trends happening. We're seeing super fast fashion, and then we're seeing a lot of the sustainability component of things. So for me, it's what would it look like to shop your values? Is it secondhand? Is it supporting independent brands? Is it buying better, buying less? Is it um, communicating your personality in every moment and switching things up? Like, you know, everyone's values are different. What does that look like? For me, a lot of it's independent brands and buying fewer things and wearing them a long time. Like today I have, I think I have all independent brands on. Um, and so for me, then that's a, where'd you get those? Oh, well, this is from a shoe brand in Paris and they left the big fashion industry and I've sat with them and I've met them. And so for me, the human component of it is really important in a world that conglomerates own most of the fashion industry and are marking things up arbitrarily. So it's not necessarily related to quality. Sure. Um, you know, for you, you mentioned secondhand is a big place that you like to shop and that's a mission for you. So I think understanding your values when you shop um, and helps also clear out a lot of the noise. So I, I'm also cognizant that some of the ability or being in a, a place of choice is a reflection of privilege yes. as well. So yes. like, how do you, how do you talk to clients who are perhaps like, I would love to shop at these brands, mm -hmm. but I'm not economically able to at the moment or how do you, how do you negotiate that? Yeah. I always like to, I always like to check privilege there. And I think then a couple ways there is, you know, consignment secondhand is huge and everywhere. Um, I also think it is about buying the best you can and wearing it as long as you can. So maybe you can't buy whatever brand um, you aspire to buy at that moment, but you could buy the best version of it somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And instead of wearing it twice and throwing it out, you know, you wear it for a long time and, and you, you love it and you love it and you mix <laughs> and you match and then you save for that other brand that you're looking for. And honestly too, it's, there's a lot of choice in between um, the big box that we know there's a lot of choices in small independent brands and different places to look that are pricing things according to their value of standard markups versus saying, well, these sneakers are $30,000 because Rihanna wore them or because <laughs> somebody wore them. But that's not really, if you do the calculations, that's not the actual value of them. Right, right, right. I saw some sneakers that were like popular not that long ago. They actually looked backwards. Mm -hmm. And I was like, mm -hmm. yeah. I don't know. It's crazy. I always <laughs> like think about, I always say one thing with that. I'm like, is this a trend or a fad? A fad is going to buy and it's going to be out in a second. A trend is more about a human behavior and a longer term um, cycle. Mm -hmm. So you can, things like that are definitely a fad. Like there's yeah. certain things that you know, you're like, that <laughs> yeah. looks really wackadoo. <laughs> this is going to be in and out. It might not be the smartest investment. Right. You might look at a photo of yourself wearing it in 20 years. Exactly. And like, Why did I do that? Think the thinking? 80s. Think like basically what most of the 80s was. Yeah. And that era. Know. Yeah, for sure. Um, choices do you regret? So I am sort of like faced this way because I am, I am, I have a little baby tattoo mm -hmm. here. It's um, thank you. It's painting that I really love. Um, but I did want to talk a little bit about like piercings and tattoos in the workplace now. Obviously, like I will be sharing, um, we have a, a dress code for the offices in America as well as the office in Ireland. So I'll be sharing those. People can take a look at the actual language. But I did one just sort of like where you were seeing businesses headed in terms of representation of like piercings and tattoos. I would say getting much, much more open and the stigmas around tattoo or piercings are on their way out in a way that I think is very positive. Mm -hmm. I think um, 
you know, I, I just spoke to some students, um, some grad students recently about that. And one person asked about it. And I think if a business asks you to cover it up, that's a choice you make on why. Um, do you feel comfortable there? So I think it's a lot of aligning your values with where you're working as well. Okay. Is this dress code, you know, an indicator of other questions I should be asking about the corporate culture nowadays? Uh, but I am seeing a lot more flexibility and actually a lot of respect and conversations that come from a tattoo or a piercing or a hairstyle or um, again, going back to like, we don't have a specific dress code now. So it is more about, do I want to show my tattoo to spark a conversation and a question? Or am I meeting with clients that that'll be really cool to connect with them in that way? So I think it's a lot more of a personal choice now on whether you show them or not. And I think offices, I am seeing offices respecting that more. So it feels like it's also part of that question, the, the series of questions you were asking earlier, like, how do I want to feel? Mm -hmm. Like, what am I putting out? Mm -hmm. um, so it can all be part What's of What's my identity? Is this part of my brand? Is, yeah. is showing my tattoo part of my brand that I always want it to be visible as much as I can? I do have um, a, a boyfriend who rolls up his jeans a little too often just to show the tattoo <laughs> on the ankle, which is like, the little, like, you, you like, everyone knows what you're doing. Everyone knows. Like, we all know. We see <laughs> it. Very we nice. see it. But cool. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Do you honey. want to talk about it? Yeah, exactly. Did I make you a sign that says, let's talk about my sister? Um, that's really funny. And it is a conversation piece. Mm -hmm. Like um, I was standing in line at a coffee shop a, like, a couple weeks ago and she literally tapped me on the back and she was like, I love that painting. And then we had a whole conversation about the it's artist. It's lovely. It's a beautiful way to connect just like clothing is. And it's all part of your brand now. And that's, that's what matters the most. Mm -hmm. And kind of we were talking about values for the individual but as you just said like values of the the company as well like are you in alignment with Correct. with them and Correct. is that the kind of place you want to be working for and oftentimes dress codes are an indicator of that really interesting mm -hmm. um i did want to talk a little bit about covid as well um just in terms of how people dress when they come into the office versus like if they're on camera at home what's covid what's covid <laughs> what, what is hybrid what is this <laughs> Um, so how do you like how do you talk to clients when they're like, you know, I, I have a really good sense of like how I present myself when I'm when I'm live versus when I'm at home? Because I, I feel that I'm like, do I put on makeup when I'm at home? Like, do I how am I am I overthinking this and definitely overthinking it? Um, so how do you how do you sort of negotiate that? So first of all, I think that our wardrobes are in a great place to play between work and home more. Now that office environments have gotten generally a little bit more casual and we're working from home. So in terms of investment, it they should be able to play together. I would say, you know, of course, on camera, we're waist up, head up. So I think we're overthinking it a lot, but there is a great place that you can start a lot of conversations through what you're wearing online. Like you talked about wearing um, band t-shirts. I'm love the theater. So I buy Broadway t-shirts and I'll wear that to start a conversation. <laughs> That's super nerdy, but I love it. Um, and I think, um, you know, putting that it's more, how are you going to feel working from home? Some people feel fine in sweats on bottom and a nice shirt on top. I always find the ritual of getting ready in the morning is very helpful. Mm -hmm. Whatever that means, if it's changing out of one pair, your sleepy sweats into a nice pair of workday sweats, the ritual of saying, okay, I'm having my coffee, I'm changing clothes, and I'm reprogramming my brain to be in work mode mm -hmm. is 
important. There are things that look better on camera, of course. Um, so if it is an important meeting in which you want to reflect well and make a statement, you can still use all the same principles of style personalities or your personal brand to say, you know, I'm going to wear red today, or I'm going to put that lipstick on. Um, so that way I'm, I'm popping. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really for me, the work from home is more about that ritual of making sure that you can still say I'm starting my day and then setting the boundaries of I'm ending my day. Yeah. I, so the questions are fairly similar, but like as you kind of an added mental health component, mm -hmm. which is really lovely. And mm -hmm. you're totally right. I remember there was a time the beginning of COVID where I was not doing that, yeah. that flip Same. and it was not sustainable. It was not, I yeah. just felt slumpy. I felt sad all day. I, you know, I didn't feel great about myself and mm -hmm. the effort I put in, it was, maybe less than if I'm going in person, but then I started making sure I styled my hair, but my hair style was back with the, maybe with the bandana on or something. Mm -hmm. um, but it was that ritual of saying, okay, now I'm getting ready, I'm getting dressed, and now I'm gonna tackle my meetings. Mm -hmm. Another quick question about sort of COVID era. I guess I'm, I'm curious about, um, how do I phrase this? I have not worn makeup in, in meetings at home and I get slacked pretty consistently when I don't to people asking if I'm okay. <laughs> They're asking if I'm, if I'm sick, if I'm unhappy. <laughs> um, and it's, it's care. There's an element of care there, but I do wonder if you have general advice for people on the other end of that. Like, how do we negotiate that? Cause it actually, like, it does come from a good place, but part of my, like, you know, firebrand feminist in mm -hmm. internal voice is just like, I just don't have makeup on right. today. That's fine. Like, but I'm actually in a really good mood. Like I've had my coffee. I'm really productive. Mm -hmm. I was having a good day until you, until made you me, told me that. made me feel like I was not. Um, so how do you like, how, what would you say to people who are sort of like noticing that in their coworkers? I always say tread with caution. And, you know, we've talked about this, don't place your own expectations on somebody else. Mm. There are nicer questions that you can ask, like, how are you doing? How are you feeling? Yeah. It doesn't have to be, are you okay? Um, <laughs> there's a place of care and concern, but, you know, people are used to seeing you one way. And if you show up a different way, that's okay. And <laughs> so I think it's, you know, I, I talk about a lot about the word flattering in the work I do. And people place their own perceived sense of what's healthy, what's okay, what's beautiful, what's flattering. So I would like us, as we can, start thinking about other people. How would you want to receive a question? Would yeah. you want to receive a question of like, are you okay? You look tired. Um, so we're like, I haven't seen you in a while. How's it going? Right. How's it going? Yeah. How are you feeling? Like, um, you know, what are you excited about in life right now versus mm -hmm. are you okay? You look tired yeah. or, you know. <laughs> I think there's a sensitivity that we can learn how to just change our questions. And I always think the, you know, use that age old adage of, would you want this asked to you? Yeah, maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> um, you use the word flattering. And I kind of want to pick on that a little bit because before this call, we were talking about sort of TikTok and Instagram and sort of like things that we're sort of barraged with at the moment of like, oh, she doesn't look good in these colors or like he shouldn't be wearing that for that body type. Like, what would you say to people who are sort of inundated with those messages? 
I always say as much as possible, then clear the clutter. If it's causing you to question how you feel about yourself and it's, um, I always say, is it inspiring you or, or are you aspiring? If you're aspiring to look like someone else or be someone else, then, you know, maybe change your relationship with how you're receiving this information. And if it's social media, quiet those accounts, unfollow them um, and ask yourself, am, am I inspired by this to find, use this as the best version of myself to explore who I am? Or do I want, am I following this because I aspire to be exactly like this? Mm -hmm. Or am I confused by all this information that I have? And if you're confused, I always find people's intuition is much better than they give themselves credit for. So for example, with clients, a lot of times, if I see they're really caught up in, well, this influencer wore this, or I read in this magazine, I'm supposed to do this. I won't let clients look in the mirror sometimes. Say, tell me how you feel in this first. What's your body language that tells you I'm confident in this? And everyone has a confidence pose that I say. Like each client, I try to figure out what's their confidence pose. Is it like a hand in your pockets? Is it a like little shimmy toward the mirror? Like what is it that is your confidence pose? So a lot of times one way to do that is get rid of mirrors, get rid of all of the things that are causing you to be confused because normally your intuition is spot on. Right. Clear the clutter. Mm -hmm. Kind Clear of a the general clutter. theme. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you, going back to sort of the, the things on social media, do you think any of them are even accurate or like, like in terms, because I'm thinking of like the ones that are, you know, it'll flash up a celebrity and it'll be like, they're a cool winter's night like I don't know they're all like some of them are like so specific like she should only be wearing turquoise and whatever and you're like well they're also like six foot five and gorgeous mm -hmm. and could wear a paper bag and like I would be like I still want to look like them right so it, like well, who is this for is it accurate like do you believe any of the science because I use the word science do you believe any of the science around it I mean, I think that there is a methodology that can tell you, yes, a certain color will make your skin more even or brighter. I think that is true, but it's taking away a lot of other aspects that there are other colors that look beautiful or make you feel beautiful or send a different message. It may, you know, I, I use the example of myself. I'm not supposed to be able to wear high contrast colors. I'm not supposed to be able to wear black and white. I'm not supposed to be able to wear black and white together because I'm fair and soft. I want to be bold. I have a big personality. I'm a very excited person. And, you so, love and I love clothes and I love color. So, you know, my personality matches with the colors I wear. So I think that, yes, there is a science that is objectively doing certain things to your skin or your coloring, but also it's not taking into account there's other things you can do to compensate with. Like there is makeup. There is, there's a lot of tools we have in our toolkit that if you want to wear a color, wear it. Um, I think it's more about the messaging and how it relates to you and who you are. I also think you want to be careful if you're getting photo, you know, if you're doing headshots or something, um, wear the color you feel the best in because it'll read on your face if you're not feeling great in it or you feel drab in it because yeah. you're conforming to whatever you're told to conform right. to. Pastels or whatever. Pastels or, yeah, I think the other thing um, with all of these Instagram, TikTok videos or whatever, they're, they're, they're giving you such a limited viewpoint. It's curated. It's really curated. It's not giving you the big picture. It's not giving you all the information. And it's just like reading a headline. 
It's like reading a headline without digesting the full article. There's so much more behind it. And so it, again, is almost a way for confusion. And I think one reason that some of these experts do this is because they want people to feel like they need them. They want people to feel like, well, I can't do this on my own. And it takes away the choice for people to feel empowered to say, no, I can do this on my own. Mm -hmm. This is how I do it. And it is internal work, not then the next shiny object. So I find with fashion, it's the next shiny object syndrome of now it's color analysis. Then it's this, then it's that. Mm -hmm. Then it's, you know, quiet luxury, whatever it is that we're supposed to follow. Yeah. The aspirational thing is so interesting because you're, you're totally right. Like a lot of those short clips are sort of predicated on this sort of assumption that if you believe this science works, then if you use the science, then you might look just as good as Margot Robbie does when right. she wears pink, right. which is absurd. Like, right. I think we're, if you're we're not doing, <laughs> like if you're doing the color to say, okay, I want the information to give me some direction. Mm-hmm. Like I do want to know what's going to look best on camera. Or I do want to know what's going to generally be the most flattering, but don't take your swatches and say, I need this exact shade of, you know, eggplant, and this is three shades off. If if you're feeling like it's boxing you, then that's a problem. But if it's giving you just a little bit more knowledge about yourself, Mm -hmm. um, like I say with, you know, I don't like body types, but I also understand dressing for your goals. So if you like to define your waist, there are principles we can do that. If you like to have a broader shoulder, there are principles we can do that, but it's based on, again, your goals and you getting information so you can dress yourself in the way that you want to be received and you want to communicate your intent. But, and kind of, again, intent, um, these sort of like blanket social media videos, they are sort of like, this person looks gorgeous when they do this, but like gorgeous by whose standards? By the, 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 societal standards or that person's standards. Not taking into account the woman's personality. Correct. It's taking into account what they think looks attractive. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, What's been told tale as old as time of like oh you know the hourglass is ideal or you know whatever we're we're you know swimsuit body this it's it's all what the outside is saying instead of saying like she looks really happy she looks yeah radiant or she looks subversive and interesting she looks like you know she looks like somebody i want to listen to she looks like you know something more than objectifying it the style you want it to be a communicator for Mm-hmm. What what else is going on? It feels like you really focus on like intangibles. Yeah. So it's not like um, like a thing that we're kind of like trying to replicate or, as you said, aspire to. It is a feeling or it is like a um, a message. Yeah, and you know, even when I have clients give me their uh, inspiration because I do think there is a, a moment of inspiration. It's what do you like about that? Mm-hmm. Like I love the high contrast, or I love the silhouette or I love, you know, something about it, the texture. And so it's taking those elements and piecing it together to create someone's unique style, not, okay, well, we can replicate this look exactly. Mm -hmm. That's boring too. (laughs) (laughs) So what would you love to see as a sort of the next phase in a community that you were building? Because the the way you talked about your business, it does feel like you have really strong relationships with a lot of these people and groups. You mentioned groups too. Yeah. I mean, I love my clients. Like I may get to, I love my clients so much. I love their journey. Um, and I love nothing more than helping people feel empowered, um, to show their authenticity. So what's next for me is, you know, I'm working on creating group experiences that are more aligned with your own discovery versus 
you know, this one, two, three of these are the 20 things somebody should own. It's how do you discover the 20 things you need? How do you understand how to align your style brand with your messaging, with your goals, with the spaces that you're occupying? So it's creating a more intentional experience, even with my personal clients of, you know, maybe not just pulling these exact things that you need, but helping the clients have a conversation with me that we're actually a partnership. Mm -hmm. We are a partnership of discovery. And so I want people to also feel empowered to make their own choices and not say, well, what would Natalie say? Is this right? Is this wrong? Like, I, I feel so sad when people look at me and say, well, I may have done it wrong. There's no right or wrong. Like, how did you feel about it? Maybe it wasn't perfect for you. So we'll get better. We'll do something different. Like, mm. That's okay. So it's really bringing that um, way for people to use who they are on the inside to communicate style and make it not about fashion and mm. not a place that they don't have a seat at the table. I find the fashion industry to, in many cases, you know, the, the fashion industry we see be kind of a, like, cool kids mean club. It's not as inclusive. <laughs> it's not welcoming everybody in. And I'm like, no, but everyone has a seat at the style table because by putting on clothes, you have a style. Mm. So it's communicating something about you. And I want everyone to feel received and that they can explore it, which is why I mean, I have a podcast and I have I'm working on sharing that messaging. So that way people can start to feel like it's not something they have to be scared of. They can be excited about just like what you're going to eat for lunch, you know, like yeah. I want you to people to savor it and feel excited. Thank you very much. I think we're going to open it up to some questions. Um, if we have a minute, Jared or Carrie, did we have any questions? Yeah, we actually have a couple questions. Thank you, Natalie. The first question is, um, she's asking, are there resources out there to find clothes that fit my body type or how do I figure out what colors look best for my skin tone? Yeah, I mean, I, that anytime someone's in transition, particularly they have a, a lot of new moms, it, your body changes. Um, so I think the first thing is, is starting from a place of positivity of, you know, what do I love? What things do I like to enhance? How is, how has my body changed in accepting it? That, um, you know, every, I think seven years, our bodies go through some type of change or transition. And so it's part of that evolution. Um, there will, there may be a place where you use a service like a, a rent the runway for a little bit, or one of those rental services to understand how you like to dress your new body instead of just going out and buying a bunch of things out of desperation. So my number one thing is don't shop out of desperation because then you're just pulling things and they don't necessarily align with you. Um, in terms of color, again, it's, you know, what do you feel great in? What makes you feel like you're illuminating when you walk into a room? And, you know, I would say pick those colors and use color to your advantage. If you are in a body transition period that you're still trying to get comfortable with that of find the things that you are comfortable with. Maybe it's a color, a pattern, a style of clothing and focus on that while you're figuring the rest of it out and like give yourself grace. I think the number one thing is give yourself a lot of grace and understanding that this is normal. Um, and you know, another thing I always say is you're looking at yourself more than other people are looking at you and you're more critical of yourself. You're your number one worst critic. You can't see yourself objectively and so when we go through a body change, we usually focus on the thing that has you feel like has changed the most. And people aren't looking at that. 
Um, so, you know, that mental exercise of remembering that I think is a, is a powerful tool. Great advice. Any other questions, Carrie? Yeah, there are two more. What are the six style personalities that you mentioned? Yes, they are relaxed, classic, polished, soft, magnetic, and creative. And then the final question we have is, um, in regards to feeling confident in what we wear, how would you advise someone who may feel good in what they're wearing, but that doesn't fit with people's expectation of your gender expression and the way that you make yourself conscious? How would you advise someone in that? I mean, that that is a long answer question, but I will give a um, shorter version of it because it is a place that we're very much, um, it's difficult in society now. And I, and those transitions are difficult because they do require us to shut down the outside world. And I think they require you to, to explore and understand again, your intent and what you want to communicate and how that aligns, no matter what your gender expression is. Um, I've had a few clients who have, um, changed their pronouns, who have, you know, said, if I'd known what I knew now and lived in the world that I live in, then I, I would have dressed differently. I, um, and so I think it's a matter of still communicating those style personalities or what your style brand is and understanding that, you know, people may have judgments, but are those the people that you want to be associating with and surround yourself with those positive influences and resources to say like who you are is good enough. Um, how you're expressing yourself is good enough. Again, respecting the spaces you're in, in terms of a dress code, for example, mm -hmm. or, um, you know, whatever the requirements are to be in this space. But as long as you are aligning with that expectation, mm -hmm. then it's really about what your expectation is and your explorations are. And you will probably need to explore a lot of different things. And, you know, like we all do, we're one phase, like we talked about three years ago, I wore something. I'm like, oh, why the hell was I wearing that? Like that, that wasn't me. I was trying to be someone I wasn't. And that's when I was doing myself a disservice. And that's when we're doing ourselves a disservice. So moving forward with um, a, genu a genuine reflection of who you are. A genuine reflection of who you are and how do I communicate that through style and as much as possible, surround yourself with the people who will empower that and validate that and help you explore and maybe hold your hand if they need to in those moments of saying like, okay, I'm going to try this. I'm going to do this. Like, do I have, do I have support um, until you are to the point where you feel like you can stand in your authenticity? Thank you. I feel yeah. like that's a really, have one more question. oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> So this was asked by multiple people. Um, what are some of the best resources for women in plus sizes who don't want to wear the bohemian style clothing? Yeah. So um, fortunately, a lot of brands are becoming more inclusive. Um, unfortunately, there's not a place that has a lot of those resources in one. There are a few um, great Instagram accounts that I like to follow. Um, uh, one is Katie Torino, and she's the founder of Megababe. Um, so she actually will, she wears a lot of different styles. So a lot of tailored, a lot of um, magnetic. I mean, she will kind of replicate celebrity styles in a certain way and say it's not who wore it better. 
So I really like that messaging. So she'll tag a lot of brands. Um, I could, if there's a resource of follow-up, yeah, send a lot that. of um, Instagram brands and followers. Um, and then also a couple websites that you can filter up if you like independent brands mm-hmm. um, that will that you can filter by inclusivity and sizing. That's amazing. So I, And there's a lot more now than there ever, ever, ever has been. So it would take me a while to, to get through it. A, a good thing. Um, Carrie, is there anything else? Yeah, no more questions. Wonderful. And we will follow up with those resources. Thank you so much, Natalie. Thank you. This was so much fun. Yeah, it was fun. (laughs) All right. Thank you very much, everyone. Thank you. Thanks for joining another Where Who You Are Wednesday. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. Be sure to follow along for episode news, updates, and other bonus style insights on Instagram through my business account at BUStyle. That's the letters B, U, and Style. Or my personal account at Natalie underscore Tincher. And don't forget to subscribe to Where Who You Are wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks again. See you next time.